November 5th, 2011, University of Tennessee sophomore Derek Broadus was lying on the couch in his fraternity on Saturday night, just taking a nap, waiting for the Tennessee Volunteers football game to come on at 7 p.m. But less than an hour before kickoff, Derek's cell phone began to ring. And upon hearing it ring, he jumped up off the couch, answered the phone. And when he heard the voice on the other end of the line, his eyes grew massive. Because the voice on the other end of the line told him to come to the stadium as soon as possible. The voice on the other end of the line was the Tennessee Volunteers football coach. They were sending a police escort to pick Derek up. Derek would say later, I thought it was just a dream. I was lying on my couch relaxing, and I answer my phone, and they just tell me that I need to come to the stadium as soon as possible. You see, just minutes before that phone call, during pregame warm-ups, the Tennessee backup kicker pulled a muscle, and their starting kicker was already out. He'd been injured during Thursday's practice, so it's one hour before kickoff, and the Tennessee football team is out of kickers. Derek Broaddus, you see, had tried out as a place kicker at the University of Tennessee, but he didn't make the cut. But on that Saturday afternoon, Derek Broaddus emerged as the Tennessee Volunteers' only hope. <laughs> Minutes after rushing him to the stadium with this police escort, the team's trainer was stretching him in the rock locker room while he put on his pads in a jersey that didn't even have his name on the back. And not long after the start of the game, Derek was called into duty. And he made the most of his opportunity. Derek made all three of his extra points. He even kicked a 21-yard field goal at the end of the first half, helping lead the Tennessee Volunteers to victory. Back in the locker room after the final whistle, this kicker, who began the evening lying on the couch, taking a nap with a bag of potato chips, was the hero of the game. The coach even gave him the game ball. Church, Jesus is calling. And it's time to get off the couch and into the game. As y'all know, we've been going through our series called Together. We're talking about what it means to be part of the church, what it means to be part of this church, Plainfield Christian Church. And today we're talking about how together we serve. Together we serve. Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And what Paul's doing here in Ephesians chapter 4 is he's kind of laying out what life in the church is supposed to look like. And he gives us in Ephesians 4 kind of a plan for how to grow up and mature as the body of Christ. Paul's looking at us and saying, church, it's time to grow up. Look at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, 
that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Here's what I want to say to you today. Woo. <laughs> you grow into maturity when you get into ministry. You grow into maturity when you get into ministry. Now, I'm not saying that you have to come and volunteer at the church building 8 to 5, but I am telling you that you are called to use your spiritual gifts in service for the glory of God and the good of the world. So let's talk about spiritual gifts here a little bit. What are spiritual gifts? Well, let's run with this definition for today. Spiritual gifts are God-given abilities that we have to fulfill the church's mission. They are talents and abilities that the Holy Spirit empowers and uses to help build up the church and share the love of God with people who are outside of the church. In Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, Paul talks about this amazing salvation that we have received. When we believe and are baptized into Jesus Christ, he saves us and he adopts us. But we're not only children. We're not just an only child. We're adopted into this big, crazy, weird, wonderful family with all kinds of brothers and sisters called the church. And when we're a part of this family called the church, God's love is, flows through us to those around us when we use our spiritual gifts for him. Our gifts are not meant to be kept up high on a shelf. All spiritual gifts are service gifts meant to be used for the glory of God and the good of the world. Paul calls the church here in Ephesians for the body of Christ. And the body only works when each part contributes to the healthy functioning of the whole. And for some of you, this whole church thing may not really be clicking. You may not get it. You may not honestly love being at this church. Uh, you may not really want to come here. You may feel like it's something that you're supposed to do or your spouse might drag you here. But if that's you, if you feel something like that, then I want to challenge you to dig deep and serve and start using your spiritual gifts here. And I'll bet you ice cream that in six months you'll feel differently. It's time to get off the couch and into the game. Now, some of you, you may not even know what your gifts are. The Bible describes people with all kinds of different gifts. Gifts like evangelism, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, compassion, hospitality, craftsmanship, prayer, wisdom, knowledge, faith, discernment, administration. There could be lots of things besides these two. So, so what are you good at? What brings you joy? Maybe it's construction or gardening or music or art or writing or working with your hands or giving or poems or reading or long conversations or hugs or baking or just helping out with whatever needs done. What are you burdened by? Maybe you're burdened by the foster care system or maybe you're burdened by people who don't have clean water or by fatherless families or, or, or by your neighbors who don't know about Jesus. Can you use your gifts and abilities and resources to help meet those needs? There's a blank space on your bulletin right now, the white space there on the notes. Just take a couple seconds right now, and I want you to write down two things that you think might be your spiritual gifts. Everybody, grab something to write with. Write two things that you think could be your spiritual gifts right there in the bulletin. Some of y'all are still staring at me. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> These can be things that are from lists in the Bible, things that you, just things you're good at that you think God can use to help other people. So we've answered the what of spiritual gifts, but who has spiritual gifts? Well, 
Every believer in Christ has spiritual gifts. Some of you might not have written anything on your bulletin because you're not really sure what your gifts are or even if you have any. But you do. Notice what Paul says here. Right before the verse 7, he, he's talking about the whole Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and how all of God is over all of us. And so Paul goes from talking about all of God, the Trinity, and all of us, the whole world. And then he zooms in and he talks about the individual. He says that grace has been given to each one of us. That means you. There is no such thing as an ungifted Christian. You all have gifts, and you're all gifted differently. You know, for this sermon, I thought about putting a list of all the ministers here at the church in the bulletin so you could take it home and see it, but we didn't end up doing that because the list was too long because it had every single one of your names on it. (laughs) You all are the ministers here. There shouldn't be any plain old pew sitters in the church. We believe in what's called the priesthood of all believers, In other words, we are all empowered to serve and minister by the Holy Spirit living in each one of us to each other person in here. Every person in here should be occupying his proper place in the body and serving accordingly. I'm an ordained minister. I have my ordination certificate hanging on the wall back there in my office. But actually, you're an ordained minister too. Your ordination was your baptism. You got into the ministry when you got out of the baptistry. So get off the couch and into the game. Look at your neighbor right now and just say, welcome to the ministry. Hey, good job. Y'all didn't even have to go to Bible college. Look at that. (laughs) So next to those two gifts that you wrote down in your bulletin, I want you to look at those and just write down some way that you think you can use that gift for the glory of God and the good of the world, to help somebody to contribute here to the church or to spread God's love. Just take a pen, jot something down. How do you think you could use that to serve God? Some of y'all are still staring at me. (laughs) So we've answered the what and the who of spiritual gifts. Let's dig a little deeper now. Why do we have spiritual gifts? Look at what Paul says in verses 12 and 13. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then verses 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We have spiritual gifts to create Christ-likeness in one another so that we all grow into maturity as we participate in ministry and so that the people out there who don't even know Jesus will get to know him and start to look like him. You know, we have a lot of health-conscious people in the room today. Some of y'all have more doctor's appointments than you'd like to admit. Some of you guys know what it takes to have a healthy diet. Some of you are runners and workouters and health professionals and nurses and all kinds of things. We have people in here who know what it takes to have a healthy body. The worst grade I ever got in my whole life was in anatomy, so don't ask me. But Paul tells us pretty plainly right here what it takes for the body of Christ to be healthy. He says that in order to have a mature body, all the parts have to be working. Pretty simple. That growth to Christian maturity requires service and involvement in Christian community. The way to become mature is for everybody in the church to have their own ministry. 
actively serving in some way because you grow into maturity when you get into ministry. So if you're just a spectator, if you're just a consumer of the church product, if you have a Sunday-only faith and all-take and no-give kind of faith, then you're going to remain selfish and immature, and the whole body's going to suffer as a result. You guys know this. It stinks when one little part of your body's not working. Occasionally, I'll get these mouth sores, and it's amazing to me how these little spots in my mouth can make it absolutely miserable anytime I talk or swallow for weeks. It stinks when you have a toothache or an earache. When one tiny part of the body isn't working, the whole body feels it. So get to work. You grow into maturity when you get into ministry. So start using the gifts that he's given you. Notice, though, that Jesus doesn't just give gifts to people. He actually gives people to the church. Look at verses 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave people. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Uh, Christ gave apostles. These are uh, people who followed Jesus around, witnesses of his life and ministry. There's 12 of them and the apostle Paul. And, and these guys laid the foundation for the church. They were not replaced after they died. We have no more apostles. Also prophets. Prophets spoke directly from God. They were middlemen between humanity and divinity. They were needed before the early Christians had the written word like the Bible that we have. There's evangelists, bearers of the good news of Jesus. There are some people who are especially gifted at telling folks about Jesus and reaching the lost and winning souls. Now, just because some people are especially gifted at it doesn't give the rest of us an excuse to get off the hook. It's everybody's job to tell people about Jesus and every one of you should be using your gifts outside of this building to show other people the love of God. The last role here is the pastor teacher. It's one, one role there in the Greek. And the pastor teacher is called to be shepherds, to lead and to feed the flock, uh, people able to instruct and to teach and to nurture. So this list of gifts here, is not exhaustive, but don't miss the point. You have been given a gift so that Christ can give you to the church. The purpose of these gifts is to prepare God's people for works of service. The point of my job and Steve's job and the other ministers on staff here is not to do all the ministry, but is to equip you guys to do ministry as the body of Christ. Our job is to help shape and mold and instruct and supply and correct and restore and teach so that you all can use your gift in your everyday lives through encouragement and meeting the physical needs of people and providing meals and loving the hurting and proclaiming the truth of the word of God. You all are enlisted in the ministry and you grow into maturity when you get into ministry. So what are spiritual gifts? They're these God-given abilities that we have to fulfill the church's mission. Who has spiritual gifts? Every believer. Uh, why do we have spiritual gifts? To create Christ-likeness in one another. Now, how in the world are we actually supposed to use these spiritual gifts? First thing is this. We use them actively. One of the biggest hindrances to people using their spiritual gifts is just plain old laziness. A lot of people today want a kind of hot tub religion. You know what I mean? They want to sit back, relax, unwind, be entertained and encouraged. I'll take a little dose of funny preaching, a shot of lively worship, a dash of good children's ministry, and a sprinkling of church dinners every now and then. Voila, now that's a good church. <laughs> We're living in an age where churches are afflicted by consumer Christianity. Treating church just like a buffet. You know, I'll come eat a little bit of everything without giving anything back, without actually participating in the process. Well, newsflash, 
If Jesus is your teacher, you don't just get to audit the class. You actually have to do the homework. Our minister of involvement, Kevin Carr, says, your gifts aren't trophies, they're tools. And I like that. And some of you here in this room, you may not feel like you're fitting in here. You may not even feel totally welcomed here. You may feel like this church isn't all that influential or important to you, just something you do. And if that's you, I want to start challenging you to start giving your time. Start using your gifts. Start serving. If you don't know how, go on our website or go out to the Connection Center right after this service in the hub. Figure out some ways to, to, to serve at this church because we're not just called to be a consumer. We're not just called to go to church. We're called be the church. So get off the couch and into the game. You grow into maturity when you get into ministry. So use your gifts actively. Our job as the church staff is not to do all the ministry. There's some people who think that it's the preacher's job to do all the hospital calls and the preacher's job to do all the evangelism and the preacher's job to do all the greeting. Well, it's actually everybody's job. Bob Russell was the senior minister at the massive Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky for a long time. And eventually as the church grew, Bob Russell said that he couldn't make all the hospital calls anymore. He had to start prioritizing who he was going to see. So really the only times he would go see a normal church member was when they were on death's door, when they were about to the end. So Bob Russell used to say, look, you don't want the preacher visiting you in the hospital, okay? That's not a good sign. (laughs) It's everybody's job. To do the ministry. So do you have a ministry? Are you actively using your gifts wherever you go? You can have a ministry in your classroom, in your kitchen, in your break room, in your friend group, in your workplace. That can be your place of ministry. Just use your gifts actively. You can, can you use your gift of hospitality to have people over in your house? Uh, Could you use your gift of cooking to provide meals for people who need them? Could you use your gift of giving to help a person who's in need in this community? Could you use your gift of time to be a grandparent to a kid with a broken family? Could you use your gift of encouragement to to write notes to people, to build them up? Can I just tell you from personal experience, my wife and I are going to be parents any day now. We have no idea what we are doing, okay? (laughs) But y'all have walked down that road ahead of us. Some of you have some incredibly rich life experience and have walked with Jesus for so long. And there's a lot of families over there that need that. Are you rubbing shoulders with them? Use your gifts. Get a ministry here. So use your gift actively. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Use your gifts jointly. Jointly. I heard of a company recently that hired on a group of cannibals to increase their company diversity. And so the cannibals came in for job training and the HR guy was kind of going through orientation with them. You know, you'll get all the benefits of all the other employees. You'll even get to sit in the cafeteria and eat with everybody else. We just ask one thing, that while you're here, please don't eat any other employees. Cannibals said, yeah, okay, no problem, no problem. So four weeks go by. Cannibals are doing great. Everything's just going like a well-oiled machine. But then the HR guy comes in to the room where all the cannibals are. He says, well, hey, guys, we just want you to know you're doing a great job. Company productivity has increased so much over the last four weeks. We're really glad you're here. I have kind of an awkward question. I'm not accusing you of anything, but we did have a secretary disappear a few days ago. Would you all know anything about that? All the cannibals said, no, 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 absolutely. The HR guy said, okay, no problem. Didn't want to accuse, just double checking. So he leaves the room and the head cannibal stands up and said, all right, which one of you bozos ate the secretary? 
Slowly in the back of the room, a hand goes up. Head cannibal says, come on, we've been eating managers for four weeks now and nobody's noticed and you had to go eat somebody who actually does something. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of people in this church and you might not see them and you might not know their names, but I promise if they went missing, you would notice. I mean, if Steve and I are gone for a week, okay, you might notice, but there's a lot of people who could stand up and preach and do a pretty decent job. Todd is gone today, and yeah, we miss him, but the service has been all right, hadn't it? And yet, what if the people who filled the communion trays were gone? What if they skipped out? That'd be a hole in the middle of the service. What if the people who passed the offering plates were gone? What would we do then? What if the people who were greeting were gone? How'd we get our bulletins? How would new people know where to go or what to do? What if the people who did the child care are gone? We'd have kids crawling all over us. Are you involved in a ministry? Because it takes every little part to make this thing work. And you may think it's insignificant, but I promise you it's not, and we need you. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. All of us in here, we are super duper different. We have different wirings and abilities and gift sets, but we have unity in our diversity, not because we have super similar personalities or interests or something like that, because true unity comes from God. There's one God, but there's three persons in our one God. We call this the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, inseparable. Diversity without division. And we are unified in the same way. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, right before our text today, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. And church, if there's one Father, then there's one family. All of us, we are united. We're all different, but we don't compete. We don't compare because we're all working together in unison so that the whole body can grow up and be like Jesus. It'd be awfully weird if my arm was growing and my legs weren't, right? That'd look strange. So let's all grow up and work together. We use our gifts actively and jointly. And the third thing is this. We use our gifts humbly. Another big hindrance to people using their gifts well is just pride. There's no room for comparison or competition or jealousy in this church. You guys remember at Christmas time when you'd open your presents as, your, as a kid and you got a pair of roller skates and you thought you died and went to heaven? It was just the coolest thing ever. And then your little brother opened his presents and he got a bicycle with a little horn on the handlebars and all of a sudden your roller skates weren't so cool anymore. Anybody have an experience like that? Well, we don't do that here. Our gifts are just that. They're gifts. So we don't brag about them. We didn't earn them. So we don't compare and see how we rank next to other people's. I'm not going to break my arm patting myself on the back just because I'm up here standing and preaching a sermon. It doesn't mean I'm some kind of super Christian. There is no difference in value between people who preach, people who run sound, people who babysit, people who fix leaky faucets, and people who take care of administrative work. We need everybody. We work humbly. My dad's always said that the chief occupational hazard of the ministry is pride. And I've become convinced that the big secret behind all unity is humility. Because behind all division and discord and conflict and competition, I guarantee you, you will find pride. And there is no room for that here. Paul says in verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. So we use our gifts actively, jointly, humbly, and fruitfully. We want you to bear fruit here. 
It's our conviction that as a church, one of the best ways to bear fruit is not to be involved an inch deep and a mile wide dabbling in three or four ministries. We'd rather you go a mile deep in one ministry where you fully invest yourself, digging deep with your gifts and bearing fruit where you were meant to. So I want all of you, head over to the Connection Center after this service, talk to Kevin and Kate or Wade, figure out how you can go all out and dive deeply into one ministry and serve and use your gifts to bear fruit for the kingdom. We're going to have a picture up here right on the screen uh, of the church website. And if you don't know what your gifts are, if you don't know how to plug in, go to the church website. There's going to be a drop-down menu, and you can find a serve tab. When you go there, you're going to see this stuff about spiritual gifts. You can take a spiritual gifts assessment, figure out what your gifts are, and then figure out how those specifically plug into the needs of Plainfield Christian Church. It'll have a whole list of service opportunities on there. So go find your gifts. Get plugged in and serve here. So we use our gifts actively, jointly, humbly, fruitfully, and lovingly, that's the last thing. Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speak the truth in love. Literally, he says, we are to be truthing in love. Everything that we do, is we're called to be holding the truth and love in tandem because truth without love is harsh. But love without truth has no substance, has no foundation, so we got to keep both of those in play as we use our gifts. So are you using your gifts to bless the people around you and show them the truth? If I asked your spouse or your neighbors, would they tell me that you're a loving person? I hope so. It's time to grow up, church. Let's serve. Let's use our gifts actively, jointly, humbly, fruitfully, and lovingly. Because you grow into maturity when you get into ministry. And you may not think that you have any place here. You may not know what your gifts are. You may think that you have nothing to offer, but I promise you, we need you. And I don't know what you, using your gifts in your ministries like. Maybe you go to the YMCA. Maybe you can use that to minister to those guys that you play ball with. Maybe you could have other moms over to your house and just talk about life and love on them. Maybe you could go on a mission trip instead of on another vacation next year. Maybe you can witness to your coworkers in the break room. When you think of ministers, you may think of somebody who's on stage or on staff at a church. But when I think of ministers, and I think when God thinks of ministers, I think he thinks of people like my cousin, Hannah. Hannah is an eighth grader, and she felt so moved by the Hurricane Harvey disaster. She loves art, so she made and sold greeting cards to raise money for the relief effort. She made over 250 cards and raised over $1,300 for Hurricane Harvey relief as an eighth grade girl. When I think of ministers, I think of people like Jan Simpson. Jan comes and, and she volunteers here in the church library and she uses her gifts of organization and efficiency to help create a wonderful church library. She's always going and getting me books and cleaning up my messes when I return books and half the stuff I say is from the books she gives me, okay? When I think of ministers, I think of the 10 people who just got back from the Hurricane Harvey relief trip that was led by this church. And these people, they just gave their time. And they had gifts of working with their hands and relating to people. And we had some incredible stories of people encountering the love of God, some of them for the first time. Because people from this church just decided to use their gifts and get into ministry. You grow into maturity when you get into ministry, when you get off the couch and into the game. I promise as you serve, you'll feel your faith muscles get just a little bit stronger. You'll find in your heart that there's a little more room for love. There's a little more compassion. You'll find a fire burning within you, a little more passion for the things of God. You'll feel a little more confident in what you believe. You'll find that you have a little bit more patience with those things that are hard, that you feel just a little bit more sense of belonging right here in this body of Christ. So start using your gifts. Jesus came down 
And he did not use his power to his own advantage. He could have. He was God. But he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And in John chapter 13, Jesus takes the lowliest job. He assumes the position of a servant and he washes his disciples' feet. And then he says, do as I have done to you. We're called to do as he did, getting into ministry and growing into maturity when we get off the couch and into the game. Look at verse 8 for just a second. In verse 8 here, Paul says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Paul's quoting Psalm 68 here. And Psalm 68 talks about the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence going up into Jerusalem, the people of God, with God as this conquering warrior. And the Jews would recite Psalm 68 at the Feast of Pentecost every single year. And Paul is using this psalm the same way, just with a little bit of a Jesus twist. Jesus is the one who descended, coming down out of heaven to us. And Jesus is the one who ascended in victory, going back up into heaven after conquering sin and death on the cross. So Jesus is this conquering warrior who has earned the spoils of victory. And what does he do with them? He shares them with us. These spoils were shared with us beginning at Pentecost, the spoils of victory. is when the Holy Spirit fell on believers and the spiritual gifts came to us. And so us using our gifts is putting to work the spoils of victory that Christ won for us and gave us through his death and resurrection. So this Psalm 68 is still a Psalm of Pentecost about God's presence among God's people, the Holy Spirit. And if our spiritual gifts that we have are a result of Christ's death for us, then we must not treat these gifts lightly. When we know what he paid for them, we shouldn't just use them for ourselves. Your spiritual gifts were bought at a great price, so don't throw them away or let them go unused. You grow into maturity when you get into ministry. And if there are any of you in this room today who have not yet accepted Christ's victory on your behalf, have not got to partake in the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in you and empowering what you do, then there's no better time than now. And just for all of you, next Sunday, right here, October 22nd, in the sanctuary at 12.15, we're gonna have a baptism Sunday. And if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, then I want you to come down. I want you to talk to me during this next song. And next Sunday, there's going to be a celebration for all people who are going to join this family and going to be baptized. If you have already accepted Jesus in your life, I want you to be here and celebrate with these people at 1215 next Sunday. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, then it's time for your birthday. Church, let's pray and then let's stand and sing. Oh, King Jesus, we love you. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to you and you have won that authority for yourself through the cross and the resurrection. You defeated death and we have nothing to fear. We are grateful for your Holy Spirit that indwells in us and is sanctifying us and is empowering us and is constantly interceding for us. Father, we love you and we need you and we ask you this week to show us what our gifts are, to show us how to use what we have for your glory and the world's good so that when people look at us and how we live, they would see you. It's in your powerful name, Jesus, that we do pray this. Amen.